Hey listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Rooney Rewind. This episode I'm joined by Brent Maximin. He is editor-in-chief of the Busby Babe, and he's here to go over the glory years of Rooney's time at Manchester United. So when he and Ronaldo really came of age at the same time, uh, Manchester United won three straight Premier League titles, the League Cup, and the UEFA Champions League, as well as getting to the Champions League final in 2009, only to lose to Barcelona. This is a really important time of Rooney's career to look at, not just because of the silverware that he won, but because of the role that he sort of accepted playing alongside Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, the two of them really became the center of the team, but Ronaldo, uh, normally playing as a winger, was the one who stepped up and started scoring more of the goals, while Rooney was in more of a supporting role. So, thanks for tuning in, and get ready for episode two. Rooney and Ronaldo wait in the center. Rooney! Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Rooney Rewind. I'm here now with the editor-in-chief of the Busby Babe, uh, Lord Commander of the Busby Babe Watch. How's it going, Brent? Uh, good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. It is uh, National Bicycle Day, apparently, or International Bicycle Day, so I, I think it's a bit fitting that we're talking about Wayne Rooney. <laughs> I didn't realize it was International Shin Day, but that's okay. <laughs> good call. Alright, so uh, on the last episode with Neil, we kind of left off in the summer of 2006. Um, this was kind of a weird transitionary period for Manchester United because it seemed like they had been building an attack around uh, Wayne Rooney and Ruben Nisselroy as the front two, and now Ruben Nisselroy is gone, and uh, they don't really sign another striker to come in and replace him. So the focus is solely on Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo. Um so I guess to start off, how do you remember that summer as a Man United fan leading into that season, and uh, what expectations did you have? Um, at the time, I would say that that summer felt pivotal for a number of reasons, and um, even more so in retrospect. You know, um, now with the benefit of time, and you know, even as soon as a few years after, uh, you look back at the summer of 2006 as uh, a watershed moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the beginning of, of Sir Alex Ferguson's second great team. Um, maybe third great team. Um, I say great. I mean, you know, obviously he's built, he had built multiple versions of title winning teams. Um, but if you consider, um, the treble winning team to be, you know, truly one of the best teams in the history of Europe, um, and that 2008-2009 Champions League winner and finalist team to be the second great team. Uh, The beginnings of that really are in the summer of 2006. Um, For me, it was, you know, at at the time, I definitely had mixed feelings about it uh, because from the end of the previous season, uh, you could sort of tell that uh, Anil Saroy and Ferguson 
uh, were no longer on the best terms, uh, and the writing had been on the wall that Rude was going to leave sooner rather than later. Uh, I was still personally crushed because, you know, Vanya's story is one of my favorite players of all time. Um, and he's a player that carried United through this semi-extended transition period for about five years, you know, in between the end of um, the treble winning side and, you know, trying to build the next great side. You know, United had this this period of several years uh, of the team not quite um, ever being as, as dominant as it had been in the 90s. Um, you know, during, during the early 2000s, uh, even though, you know, this is all relative because that team did win a league title in the early 2000s. Um, but Daniel Soroy was, you know, by far and away the best player on that team, on those teams. Um, and the reason, a big part of the reason that the team was as successful as it was, you know, if Robin Van Persie, uh, was what was needed, the last missing piece of the puzzle to drag that 2013 title-winning team over the line. Daniel Soroy did something similar for four or five years at United. Um, so it, when it felt like he was being pushed out, um, you know, this was one of those Ferguson things where, you know, there was stuff leaked in the media and um, Sir Alex did that thing that he does where he's, you know, he's so skilled at being able to spin a story his way. Um, you know, and some of it came across as um, clash of personalities. Um, but now looking back and, and, you know, from interviews over the years, you know, we have a different picture, which is that Sir Alex saw that Van Nistelrooy was a part of the past and he wanted to build his next great team around these two potentially world-class attacking talents in Rooney and Ronaldo. Um, and even towards the end of the 2005-2006 season, uh, when United won the League Cup and, and Vinicius Soroy um, famously was left on the bench and was involved in the final and then was benched for a handful of games towards the end of that season. Um, the idea was that Louis Saha, even though he was good player, not in Van Nistelrooy's class, but he was a better fit for the type of football um, that Alex wanted his next team to play. I don't necessarily agree with that, but, you know, there is some validity. You know, you could look at Luis Saha then as a kind of uh, proto Karen Benzema, um, strangely enough, for a younger version of the player that Benzema would play with at Real Madrid, um, in that, you know, he was mobile, he was a little bit more dynamic, not as much of a goal trip, but happier to be involved in the build-up and let Rooney and Ronaldo run on past him. Um, and that was kind of the vision team that started the 2006 season. Yeah, and um, what it's kind of funny that Luis Saha is constantly mentioned by Wayne Rooney even now as one of his favorite strike partners, and Looking yeah. at the way that they started that season, you can kind of understand why Sir Alex picked Luis Aha over Ruben Nistelrooy. Uh, not that it was necessarily just that decision that factored into it, but uh, I mean, it's like you said, it, that League Cup moment became 
what everyone looks to as the pivotal moment in deciding Ruth Venezuela's future at Man United was the image of Luis Saha like as part of a ruthless attack scoring four goals in the final and then switch over to Ruth Venezuela pouting on the bench for ninety minutes. Yeah. And um and you could say that um Venezuela may not have been treated fairly. I mean it's one of those um examples of, of Ferguson's famous ruthlessness. Um, because here's a player who really was a hero to the fans, who um, was too good uh, for some of those teams. Because you look back at some of those early 2000 teams and, and the players that Daniel Sora had to play with, and he is one of those players that it, it, we talk now about David De Gea is having better defenders than. Chris Smalling and Phil Jones. I mean, some of the players, some of the players that we've been surrounded to play with is, is, is mind-boggling. Yeah, and uh, um, I, I guess that would bring it back a little bit to uh, the Wayne Rooney conversation. As someone who was, like, only recently brought into that team a couple years earlier, mm-hmm. uh, that was a pretty bad spell of transfer targets for Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, probably the worst of his career at Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, he's always had some some... Odd ones, I mean, definitely uh, into the mid-late 2000s, um, and even even beyond that. Uh, but, you know, at at that time, you know, here was, as an individual, a player you can point at and say, okay, this is one of your few world-class players. Um, but what Sir Alex was able to do is uh, to sort of look beyond his contribution as an individual and see, okay, who is the best fit for what I see as, you know, the next project for the next three, four, five years. And if that project was about maximizing the potential of Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo and that next team playing a faster style, um, you know, having a more interchangeable attack because one as good as Rubenio's story was, um, you know, he definitely wasn't, and you know, he wasn't some relic um, stationary front man like, like people, as some people remember him as now, uh, but he definitely wasn't as willing a runner in the channels as, as Louis Saha was, despite Saha being obviously not as good a player, you know, same as Carlos Tevez, very good player, not as good individually as Van Nistelrooy, um, and you know didn't contribute nearly as many goals. But he was a player that you know played the type of of style of combination football um, that got the best out of those two attackers who were now you know the focal point of the team. Mm-hmm. And I I think a huge part of it has to be as well that. It's not just the confidence that he placed in Luis Saha to be a good part of that system, but it's the confidence that Sir Alex placed in Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo and realizing that at that moment what they might need to take the next step as quality footballers would be his confidence and for them to you know, go on runs and become confident themselves. We can talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and confidence all day, but that Wayne Rooney, as kind of the streaky scorer that he was, that was exactly what he needed. Oh yeah, I mean they they essentially got handed the reins, and we think back on that time now was, um, you know maybe if not the peak of Wayne Rooney's career, then maybe for me, um, 
those early years were my favorite Wayne Rooney years, uh, even though it wasn't the best version of him as a footballer, it was maybe the most enjoyable. Um, and we talk about Ronaldo and Rooney as, as focal points of a team. They were still kids then. You know, 2006 to 2009, Wayne Rooney is 21, 22, 23. Um, Ronaldo, about a year or so older. Uh, so these are uh, really young players. We're talking about, you know, given, being given the responsibility to um, uh, to be the focal point of a team, but still had players like Paul Scholes and Ryan Giggs in it, even if they weren't as influential as they were before. And having not just big players, but big personalities being removed partly for their benefit. You know, Neil Saroy, Keane. Um, those players were moved on sort of for the benefit of the development for the younger players. And at a club like Manchester United and and for the success that those players had had, um, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of responsibility and a big big show of faith. Yeah, of course, it, it wasn't just Revenatory. You mentioned Roy Keane. We talked a little bit about that on the last episode. But uh, Michael Carrick was also brought in and really turned out to be the perfect midfielder for this kind of setup. And yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that, I mean, I was only 11 at the time, but I definitely had no idea who Michael Carrick was when he was brought in. Uh, yeah, when well, me and Roy and Michael Carrick signed, signed in, in 2006, um, liked Michael Carrick as a player. Uh, um, but, and you know, this is why we watch football at home or in the pub or in the sands, and, you know, Salex Ferguson is the most successful manager of all time. I was convinced that um, Michael Carrick was a eventual Paul Scholes replacement, and that United should have signed a player like Marco Senna um, to play next to Michael Carrick, that we needed a more defensive presence. Now, to an extent, United did sort of get that player in Owen Hargreaves um, a year later. Um, but that 2006-2007 season, um, I don't think I've had more fun watching the Manchester United team since then. Uh, and that was uh, midfield two of Paul Scholes and Michael Carrick. Um, that if you had asked me at the beginning of the season, I would have said, no way, you know, that's two attack-minded midfielders as Carrick would have been considered a more creative midfielder at that time. Um, you know, ten years later, obviously, you look back and realize, well, he's exactly the mold of the modern holding midfielder um, that every successful team has had or needed. Um, but at that time, he was seen as being as being more creative. So having these two creative midfielders, Paul Scholes, oftentimes playing even deeper than Michael Carrick, um, it was a, a significant shift from you know, what the team had been in the previous previous couple of years. And having these attackers up front, you know, whether it's two or three uh, that are, you know, changing positions and, and um, you know, dropping deep, linking up. Yeah, it was it was really, really fun team to watch. I think uh, that 7-1 win against AS Rome is kind of the perfect... It's like what a lot of people look to now, and it happened recently on Twitter. It was like, this is the old Man United. This is the Man United that we're supposed to play like. Mm-hmm. And 
particularly that counterattack goal where they stripped the ball from Toddy and then went down the field in five seconds and found Rooney in the middle and scored. And, yeah. and that game as well, Michael Carrick showing he's not just a brilliant passer, but he's got some banging goals in him as well. Yep. Um, yep. I, do you think that that was... Because they they went on to lose AC Milan, obviously, and a really mm. tough AC Milan team. But do you think that that was like a preview of what's to come, or kind of a show of exactly where they were at that moment and how good they were? I think that was not that 2006-2007 region was the most enjoyable. It, 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 you know, if that team, um, the life cycle of that team was three, it was running from 2006 2000. Nine with um, 2006, a couple of important things happened. Um, Michael Carrick joined um, earlier, um, well, midway through that season, Nemanja Vidic and um, Patrice Evra signed. Um, and probably most importantly of all was Ronaldo's coming of age in 2006. Um, I remember. Um, there were legitimate questions, you know. I mean, um, I came online at the time of message boards, uh, so this was pre uh, pre Twitter. Um, and you know, and there were sensible fans having discussions about. And this was the summer, of, you know, 2006, before Ronaldo had his his big coming out party at, at the World Cup, and before he came back to United. 10 pounds more muscle on him or whatever it was. Uh, people were asking, okay, but 20 million pound bid comes in from Real Madrid. Do you cash in on Ronaldo? No, that money now seems ridiculous because of how much, um, transfer fees have, uh, changed. And obviously, even though he's, um, not my favorite Person, to put it lightly, he did go on to be a, a phenomenal football player. Um, so now looking back at that conversation, it seems ridiculous, but it was a legitimate question amongst United fans at the time. You know, is this kid worth a hassle? Uh, because prior to 2006, Rooney, even though he joined United a year later and was a little bit younger, was clearly the more polished product. And, and then Wiener, his first couple of years, um, you know, he carried the team almost as much as Van Nistelrooy did, uh, because he was always doing a little bit of everything, even though he wasn't a great goal scorer. Um, really, he only became a, a great or very good goal scorer after Ronaldo left, even that relatively briefly. Um, during those years, 2006-2009, he was probably a, more of a scorer of great goals, um, so to say. And you know, that Roma result, other than the Champions League final win a year later, probably the signature Champions League result of the last decade plus, um, I would put above this season's PSG comeback, uh, you know, above a few other wins that we've had in Europe during that time, because that was, you know, sort of the announcement of that that particular team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could see sort of all the elements of that team on display. 
uh, it wasn't yet good enough to win everything in Europe. You know, the defensive stinginess wasn't there yet, um, which would only come a year later. Um, but the elements were there. You know, you had that famous back five almost in place. You had um, the, the um, you know, forward-thinking midfield of Scholes and Carrick, and you had the, the kind of dynamic, rapid, exciting attacking play of Rooney and Ronaldo. Um, you know, the player... The third play in the attack would change. It would go from um, Saha and Alan Smith and even our current manager, that's how long ago this was, was a member of that 2006-2017. And it would go from them to, you know, Carlos Tevez and um, briefly Dimitar Bubatov as well. Um, But yeah, the core pieces of that great team, the team that would go on to win the league Champions League double the next, the following season um, was all, everything was on display uh, in that win against Roma it's, it's a bit of a shame that they couldn't, I guess, seal the deal against AC Milan, not just because it would have been a great final matchup with Liverpool but also because that first leg win where Rudy scores the two goals in the second half and they come back and win on the, one of the almost the final kick of the game in his second goal that's kind of a signature European night for modern Manchester United. That's looked upon pretty fondly by most fans, even though we lost 3-0 at the San Siro in the away leg. Oh, yeah, and one of my favorite Wayne Rooney goals. I mean, I joked about, you know, him shitting the bicycle kick in, in the derby win how many of the years later. But as, uh, you know, as, as amazing a moment as that was, I probably prefer... I would take a handful of Rooney goals over that. Um, you know, I know, I know we're talking about the 2006-2009 team, but of course, his goal against Newcastle, um, when he was still, that, he still had that fire that, um, he may have lost somewhere along the line. Um, but, you know, that 2006-7-8-9 version of Rooney, um, not quite as polished a player as he um, would go on to be. Um, but it's when it had really all um, started coming together for him as, a, as an all-around footballer. Because he was playing as a, not quite a number 10, but a second striker. You know, kind of position that doesn't exist really anymore in football, even though this is only 12 years ago. Um and even though he was at that time already sacrificing some of his play uh, to accommodate Ronaldo because Ronaldo didn't track back as much and because Ronaldo had now become a better finisher than Rooney was, um, you know, Rooney was just as important in terms of linking up play and making the team click. Um, and even though he was a, a streaky scorer at that time, I mean, he was still capable of scoring important goals, you know, sensational finishes, um, taking a game by the scruff of the neck even more so than Ronaldo could. Um, Rooney was more the engine for that team. You know, if, if Ronaldo was the sharp edge, um, you know, Rooney was more of, of the engine that made the team 
the team go. And the reason I said that I prefer that goal against Milan um, is a goal he scored against Bolton, I think, in that 2006-2007 season. That was another lightning quick counter-attack. Um, I think I preferred those goals to even the one against City. The one against City was amazing overhead kick. You know, it's a derby, big occasion. Um, that was post um, when things changed for me and for a lot of fans with with Rooney. You know, once he um, or once he was alleged to have made that transfer request, and once it was alleged that that City were were involved, um, for me and for a lot of us, you know, we never never connected the same with uh, with Rooney after that. So some of those goals, and I mean, I, I also just love a counter-attacking goal. Um, but you know, the feeling that you get, like, oh, this is a kid that that came to us at, at 18 that, that, you know, announced his arrival in a big way. And, you know, we saw him grow in a United shape. He wasn't quite one of ours in the way that, you know, Paul Scholes or David Beckham was. Um, he did come of age at United. You know, he felt, you felt like he got, uh, got the club at the time. So there was, you know, a bit of extra excitement, you know, a bit of extra investment when Rooney had big moments um, during those years. And that's kind of something he talks about in his book a little bit, is the excitement of things finally coming together. I feel like that was a huge relief for Manchester United fans, too, having to live through the mid-2000s and Cleverson and Jeremy Jemba. Now it's yeah. like things are finally clicking and they're scoring and they're leading Chelsea for most of the season rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, I guess, Rooney's part of that is what people are going to remember most rather than the other the rest of the decade that he spent at Manchester United almost? I think with time, yes. Um, I think that in, in sort of a, a catch-22 type situation, one of the things... Rooney's longevity at United um, is what allowed him to cement his place in the record books in terms of um, becoming club club captain, um, becoming England's record goal scorer while at United, becoming United's record goal scorer, um, you know, getting into the top wherever he is of of all-time appearances at United. you know, in order to accomplish those those things, in order to write your name in your record books, obviously you need to to just be at United um, for longer. Um, you know, Roy Keane had this um, famous quip. Well, I don't know how famous it is, but I always remember it. Um, <laughs> which, strangely enough, I think um, might have been a dig at one of his most famous teammates. Uh, he was this Dustin Rand Giggs. And he said, you know, there's a difference between uh, being a great player and having a great career. And I think Rudy was a great player um, who went on to have a great career. But I think we would be remembering his greatness as a player more uh, had he left 
sooner. Uh, and I think, you know, had, had he not spent those years being where we had to see him kind of clearly pass his best, um, and not just, and not just pass his best because, you know, he's getting older, but pass his best partly from his own doing, which was always one of the frustrations with with Rooney, you know, in one of his, I've never read any of his books, um, can't imagine I'm missing out too much, but I remember in one of his early, early books that I, that I read an exit from, um, he admitted to coming back to preseason training a stone overweight, um, which would not surprise any watcher of United. We knew that Rooney needed to play himself into form every season. Um, and one of the frustrating things about, about you know, watching him age ungracefully in um, a lot of ways is that it could have been avoided had he taken better care of himself and, and made better decisions in the offseason. And some of this is, is not his fault. I mean, you know, maybe part of what taints his legacy is just an unfortunate circumstance of when he was born. Um because here is this otherworldly talent who went on to win everything there is to win in club football. But he also happened to be born in the same generation as maybe the two greatest players to ever play the sport. Um, I was going to say, not just that one, but another one born in another country that, right. that yeah. a couple of years later. Right, that just completely warped our idea of what not just what greatness is supposed to be but how long greatness can last um, you know Ronaldo and, and Messi before they started scoring ludicrous numbers of goals you know when Ronaldo first scored 42 goals in a season and he won the, the Ballon d'Or and that was remarkable but now you have these two guys that do it Every year, and you make this extraordinary thing ordinary. Um, and Ronaldo, vile as he is, has always been absolutely, almost frighteningly committed to taking care of his own body. Um, and when you have two players around the same age at the same club with such a different approach to taking care of themselves um, in the off season. Um, you know, the one that doesn't, um, you know, suffers by comparison. Because again, you know, prior to 2006, there's no question of if you have to choose between your two young players, right? Like if we have right now, if you have to choose between Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford, you could make a case for either one, right? The two young attackers, um, you know, sometimes we'll see, well, Rashford came through the academy, um, Others will say, well, Martial may have more natural talent, whatever. At that time, you know, 2004 to 2006, as talented as Ronaldo was, there wasn't really any question of if, you know, gun to your head, who you, who would you keep? It would always be Rudy in that case. He's the more polished footballer. Um, he's the more productive footballer, as, as insane as that might sound now. Um, Ronaldo was, Mostly flashing very little end product. Um, and then this guy comes back from, you know, having a big summer at the World Cup, a lot of controversy. Um, 
the player who was seen to be, who he had personally clashed with, Ruben Estroy is now left. Him and Rooney have been handed the reins of the team. Um, and he just explodes. You know, he becomes a much more productive player. You know, he's stronger. Um, he is focused. You know, the stories start coming out about his dedication to training. And, you know, we know Wayne really loves football and he has to be determined and dedicated. Nobody makes it as a professional footballer without being determined and dedicated. But you know when, you know, for the season opener, what his weight is and what it is three months later. You know, you know how much he's sweating and blowing, you know, even, even as a young player, you know, at the beginning of the season compared to a couple of months in. You know, we know that We've seen those tabloid pictures of him smoking cigarettes on holiday. Um, so I think, you know, some of those things, things that would have been relatively commonplace in another era, when compared to those two complete outliers that happen to be of his same generation and playing in his same era of the field, uh, it's hard not to... Uh, to Look at, at, at Rooney somewhat unkindly by comparison. And, you know, in terms of how his legacy, what his legacy will be or how he will, what he will be remembered more for, uh, I think with time, uh, we will look back on, on just how great he was, especially during those, those peak years, you know, just how good the team was, how important he was to the team. Uh, but him maybe overstayed his welcome, um, Somewhat, and, and you know, allowing himself to become uh, the shell of the player he was, um, you know, sort of, and without evolving his game in a way that he could have, again, compared to other players of his generation, um, you know, those things have, have, you know, sort of taken away some of the shine from from what should be remembered as an all-time great. United career. Uh, but with time, you know, with time, that will change. You know, give it up. Uh, he's probably a couple of years away from retirement now. You know, when he returns to United, he's a, as a, either for a testimonial or as a coach or whatever it is. I mean, he, he will get a, an unbelievable reception. Yeah, I think it, it was interesting because this morning was when I shared that thing on Twitter about Louis van Gaal saying Rooney was over the hill by the time he got to United which I think, I, I suspect that you and I have different opinions on it. I'd love to talk about that, yeah. um, I guess, at a later episode. But I do think it's important that you brought up the context of Wayne Rudy playing alongside the careers of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, because it's, it's in these years in particular that both of them start to take off and, I guess, create that separation between you know, R- Ronaldo and Messi, and then there's everyone else. Um, mm-hmm. Because... When I look at Wayne Rooney's career and I compare it to other people who are considered some of the best of all time, like Zinedine Zidane or Thierry Henry, they only had like seven or eight years, like really at the top of their form too. Like Thierry Henry went on oh, yeah. a lot of trophies with Barcelona in his later years, but he was by no means the head of that team. You know, he was a passenger. Oh sure. And Zinedine Zidane had some great years at Real Madrid, but then in the mid two thousands, his his form sort of declined, but they stalled out. Uh, I think you can definitely identify late 90s, 
early 2000s, maybe six years, where Zidane was the top of the game. Yeah, there were people outside that Zidane, his peak was at Juventus, and he had, you know, he had great moments at Real Madrid, but not as great of a Real Madrid career as he had a Juventus career. Really, it was just the volley in Glasgow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I, and I think that's um, I, I think that's an unfair comparison. Um, you know, in that show, if you compare um, Wayne Rooney to other players, either of the same era or of, of um, generations just previous to his, um, you know, he's an all-time great. Uh, the reason we have this sense of unfulfilled potential or the sense that he could have been greater um, is, well, you know, you compare him to his contemporaries, which is also um, fair as well, uh, yeah. because, you know, he had the same facilities and, you know, the same sports science and, and um, you know, nutritionists and everything else available to him um, as a player like um, like Ronaldo or, or like Lionel Messi, you know, players that, that take extraordinary care um, of their body um, because they understand that their body is, um, you know, the, the key to their to their craft. Um, you know, I always got the sense that, that um, Rooney didn't, didn't do that, um, which I don't. I, I only, I don't blame him from a personal standpoint. Um, you know, one of my favorite non-United players of all time is Ronaldinho. And Ronaldinho, is, you know, talk about players having a short peak. Ronaldinho, yeah, yeah. real top-class peak was maybe three years. Um, again, but in mostly by not taking care of himself. I mean, it, it was incredible the things that he was able to do in those three years, and right. It, it, I guess it's also a little bit incredible on in juxtaposition how I guess as he started declining, Lionel Messi comes up and you know kind of becomes the player that Ronaldinho was looked at as being long term. Oh yeah, but I, I don't know. I guess I guess the way I've always seen it with Wayne Rooney was that in those years that it was really just the 2008 season where I think Ronaldo kind of separated himself. I mean. Statistics-wise, but also, I mean, without those 42 goals, I don't know who else is going to score them. I think Rooney would maybe have had a few more, but Ronaldo was world-class that season. And then the next year, it seemed like more of a team game, because he went back to having about the same goal tally that Wayne Rooney did. Uh, and in that 2006-2007 team especially, it seemed like both of them had really grasped the opportunity to become the best player that they could be. I think I think that's fair. Um, because it was still in 2006-2007 um, I think if it seemed like it, that was Ronaldo's coming out season it was because of the jump that he made mm-hmm. over the summer I mean he did you know he did start improving if I if I remember correctly um, even around the turn of the year the second half of that previous season uh, when, you know, United won the League Cup 
Um, I guess maybe I'm a little bit unfair because as a striker, you're expected to score 20 goals a season at Man United, whereas Ronaldo, like the left winger, left forward role hadn't really been given to him yet. He was still a right midfielder. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was still a wide player. Um, you know, it, you know, United was still playing 4-4-2 in this time. Um, and, or, you know, maybe you could call it 4-4-1-1 because technically, you know, Wayne Rooney is more of a, uh, second striker, um, around that time. Um, but Ronaldo was still far from goal. And it wasn't just his, you know, his goal tally change in, in that, you know, 2006-7 season. Um, but he just, he became a much better player. That doesn't mean that he was necessarily much better than Rooney. Um, because there was still, uh, I would say, um, equal-ish talents, equal-ish players at that time, you know, they, they shared, um, responsibility, um, in that team. Ronaldo just had, Ronaldo just more noticeable because he had the bigger jump. And then, like you say, in 2007 or 2008, um, that's when the team became as much about maximizing Ronaldo than anything else, more so than Rudy, um, to the extent that, that, you know, Rudy was sidelined somewhat, um, to allow Ronaldo a more central role, both literally and figuratively. Um, which as it turns out was smart because, you know, Ronaldo at that time is a more effective player. He is a better goal scorer in 2007, 2008 than Wayne Rooney could have been. Yes, Wayne Rooney did have to take a slight step back and, you know, play, um, wider or, you know, drop wide, um, get involved in the build up more so than in finishing the attacks. And, you know, Rooney would go on to show after Ronaldo left that, that, that he could be, um, the lead goal scorer on a title winning team. Could he be the lead goal scorer on a European double winning team? Maybe not. Probably not, I would say. At least not at, at that time. Do you um, think also that maybe it was the roles took that form because Rooney was okay taking that sort of role? Because it seems like once Cristiano Ronaldo hit his form of being one of the best, is like he had to be the best. Like He wouldn't be satisfied if he wasn't. Whereas Wayne Rooney has always been a very good strike partner for his attacking compatriots. I think so. I think that's part of it. Um, and I think that's also, you know, a, a part of it is that's generous to Wayne Rooney. You know, we want to believe that, oh, he's always been about the team first, um, and doing whatever was necessary. Uh, and I think there's a lot of truth to that as well. Even though on the other hand, you could make the case that to a certain extent, especially if you're an attacking player, Part of being the best for the team is being the best player, the best version of the player that you are, that you can be. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily agree that Ronaldo's developmental trajectory was less beneficial to the team. You know, if, if Ronaldo decided that, oh, he had been encouraged to track back more or be involved um, more in the build up or, or fall into midfield to win the ball back because it seems 
like a team-oriented thing to do, that's not going to get United to the Champions League final. Well, to get United to win the Premier League necessarily. Um, so I think, yes, Wiener and his team ethic, very important um, to the success of that team. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's totally this, um, selfless, well, you know, Wayne Rooney is always putting the team first. It's like, well, this guy is the best player in the team. And if he's going to be the best version of himself by having less defensive responsibility, then everybody else has to do a little bit more, including Wayne Rooney, as talented as he is. He, at that time, is not as good as Ronaldo. Um, but yeah, but I, 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 I don't think that, um, it's not lost in me that, that obviously his, uh, his work, work ethic, his team for his attitude, um, you know, played, played a part in, in that as well. And, and I'm sure it's, you know, Alex Ferguson, um, that isn't lost in him either. You know, he always had a, a, a great talent for knowing what he could ask of players and how to challenge players. Um, and maybe, you know, he, he took advantage somewhat of Wayne Rooney's willingness to do whatever it took for the team. Um, I guess I I was thinking about making this comparison and I I guess I'll run it by you since you're the Miami Heat fan owns the Busby Bay Riders. Would you say that, uh, maybe Wayne Rooney was the Dwayne Wade to Cristiano Ronaldo's LeBron James? I would say in terms of, um, I mean, it's a little bit different because, you know, by the time LeBron James joined the Heat, Dwayne Wade had already shown that he could be the best player on a title winning team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rooney hadn't quite done that yet, but in terms of, of a player having to accept that, okay, I think I'm good, but here is a guy that could be maybe even better. And if I allow him to become more of a focal point, we can have more team success. Um, then sure, I guess, I guess that's a valid, that's a valid comparison. Yeah. And obviously Dwayne Wade, much better at taking care of his body than Wayne Rooney has been. Well, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I saw the comparison there a couple of days ago. I was talking with one of my friends about it and I, I thought I would bring it up with you, uh, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad comparison at all, actually, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from, I guess, with Wayne Rooney not having the, because even when he, uh, two seasons after Ronaldo had left, when he has his peak goal scoring form, they don't win the Premier League either of those years that he scores 30. Uh, yep. they win the League Cup one year, but they finish second to Chelsea. Uh, I would say largely because Rooney got injured and wasn't allowed to play in the Chelsea game. Um, but, uh, 2011-2012, he scores 30 again, and they finish second to Chelsea on the last day. And two games against City where Wayne Rooney was really nowhere to be found in those two pretty big games. Yeah, I mean, he, um, look, he is a great player. Um, but that goes back, you know, to, to the previous point I was making, in that uh, we can give him some credit for being uh, a team-faced guy, 
but we also have to admit that well, if he wasn't, um, <laughs> he it, it might have been that he, he might not have had a choice. Because um, at the end of the day, your best players, like the very best, the most elite players, which is what um, United's number seven was at that time, you indulge them because they're with the results. Um, and that doesn't mean that you surround one star player with ten Darren Fletchers. It sometimes means that players as good and as talented as Wayne Rooney and Carlos Tevez have to play a, a supplementary role. Um, and like I said, you know, Wayne Rooney was top scorer in a year that, that United won, um, had success. Uh, but he was also, as you just pointed out, top scorer in, in years when the team just fell short. So that doesn't mean that, you know, he's, um, not as good or not good enough to lead a, um, a title winning team. Um, but that is the difference between very good, um, especially as a goal scorer here, not just as a all around player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the difference between being very good and being elite. And um, I guess before we get into the final questions and discussions, I, I wanted to bring this up with you. Uh, this is something I've been trying to figure out how to do on this podcast, how to address the off-the-field stuff, uh, I guess, in a professional or respectful way, because this is kind of the period of Rooney's career where some of that, the, the tabloids and stuff he does off the pitch start kind of getting out of control a little bit for him. But mm-hmm. And... Really, all we can do is speculate as to how much that affected him long-term. But in terms of, I guess, this period of his Man United career, how, how would you see that coming into play? Because, obviously, the World Cup right card was a big thing, and we've seen Trout deal with that before with David Beckham. But it seems like Wayne Rooney is more of a as brutish personality. is not as approachable to put your arm around him. He's... It's almost like he responds to it as a motivation tactic, not as something he needs consoling about. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the, the um, anything to do with England, um, I think if if the England fans uh, start hating you as a United player, it only works to your benefit at Old Trafford, mm-hmm. um, because there's nothing that, that English United fans love more than um, being. Um, aggressively ambivalent about England results. Um, you know, and that has a historical precedent and everything else. Um, but when it happened with Beckham, you know, Beckham was, was welcomed back even more frequently after England fans took him on. Um, and same with Rooney to an extent. You know, it's like the more England fans, um, booed one of our players uh, is the more that, that we loved him. So in terms of off-field stuff, um, you know, him falling foul of England fans, I don't think, um, worked against him. You know, and even, look, even the, the uh, extramarital, alleged extramarital affair, um, or um, those, that, Instance of him being a brothel or whatever it was, all those things. Um, I don't think fans care about as much. Um, 
the real off the field stuff that turned out to leave a sour taste in um, a lot of supporters' mouths um, would be things like you know him being pictured out drinking or him being pictured smoking cigarettes on holiday, uh, because those are the things that have a, a tangible effect on your ability to do your job. Part of your job description is being in shape. Um, so when you are visibly in worse shape than the players around you, or visibly worse shape um, than you should be in, and then you see these off-field things come up, that's when you know you start to run run afoul of fans. Um, you know, I think the the affairs, um, you know, probably turned um, some people off. Um, but you know, for a lot of the tabloid stuff, um, you know, it's it's easy easy to dismiss. You know, that's it, it's different from something that is you know an actual crime, like for, you know what what um, Ronaldo is um, alleged to have done, for example. You know, as opposed to somebody just being kind of a crappy human being. Um, you know, fans still sing about Ryan Giggs. And I don't think there are many worst legal things. You know, if he was one of your friends, well, he wouldn't be one of mine, uh, for example. But, you know, fans still have largely um, not paid, you know, paid as much um Attention to that. So you know. So I think there are there are some things that, that we really got into off the field uh, that were annoying, sure, and, and distasteful, um, and things that most people personally would um, disapprove of. But but the the behavior that really would have helped turn fans against him, or maybe turn the tide of approval against him, you know, would be things that affected his game, his ability to perform. Yeah, um, I guess one of the reasons I brought this up was on the last episode, Neil asked me this question that I hadn't really considered before when it comes to, I guess, Rudy's partying and staying up late and not really giving a toss whether people saw him drinking or not. And there were mm-hmm. multiple, multiple times where Sir Alex Ferguson suspended him for mm-hmm. the very reasons he didn't play him in a pretty crucial Boxing Day match one time against Blackburn. I think it was Boxing Day. Or no, yes. it was uh, New Year's Day because he'd been out drinking. And we end up losing that game, but Sir Alex, you know, deflects the blame because he, to him it's it's worth it for that player to learn that lesson. And it seems like Wayne Rooney is maybe not a player who learned that lesson. And uh, Neil had asked me, do I think Sir Alex should have been more forward like he was with Lee Sharp and Ryan Giggs about making Wayne Rooney get serious about this? And I was wondering what you thought about that. Well, you know, I think um, it is it's hard to say because I mean, Ryan Giggs definitely came into the team at a time when there was a drinking culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for younger fans or fans that you know Ryan Giggs as, as this elder statesman of the team, see a player who. Um, I think he did some interview where he, he talked about when he has a bad game, you know, he he has little tricks to 
sort of um, do penance. You know, you won't put butter on his toast that morning. Um, you know, just to, to mentally feel like he's getting more of an edge. You know, a player who does yoga and, and you know takes such good care of his body. You know, Ryan Giggs as a young player was you know regularly pictured in the tabloids out in nightclubs and everything else. Um, but who's to say that you know it was as smooth as a transition as we would like to believe? You know, the 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 myth of you know so Alex Ferguson's influence is that Ryan Giggs was had some bad habits when he was a very young player and, and um you know, so Alex pulled him up on it and then he straightened up and, you know, became this um paragon of of professionalism. But we don't really know that that's exactly how it happened. You know, because as um and you could even see it now with some of our young young players, you know, the spotlight keeps getting bigger and brighter. You know, that microscope keeps getting in closer. Um, I can only imagine what some of the class of 92, never mind the players who were in the team before that would have been like in this era. You know, with social media and, and you know, tabloids being able to um, you know, publish stories um, so quickly and, and, um, and distribute them so widely. So I, I don't, I don't know if I can say that, you know, there was a difference in approach. Obviously over the years, Alex is, himself has admitted, um, that he has learned to deal with different generations of players differently. Um, but who's to say that the approach is necessarily that different? You know, maybe Ryan Giggs had to have a few more hard lessons, uh, that wouldn't, you know, captured in the back page of the Sun or the Daily Mail. Um, because yes, Ryan Giggs was a star young player, um, but he came of age 10 years before Wayne Rooney did. So it's a different media environment. And Wayne Rooney is also the golden boy of English football. You know, he's a signature English player of his generation. And playing in England for the biggest club in England and being already a star. I mean, not an up-and-coming player. I mean, a star at 18 years old, uh, spotlight is different. And I guess it is, I guess, different in the context of Manchester United in the early 90s was not the same Manchester United of 2002. You know, 10 years made a huge difference in terms of the club's fortunes, not just uh, domestically in competitions, but commercially and taking advantage of the globalization of media and the internet. I mean, becoming the most popular club in the world where 12 years later, you know, whoever is coming up is the focus of sports media for an entire week if they score on their debut or something like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll move into our wrap-up questions a little bit. Uh, but uh, actually, before we do that, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the summer of 2009 the end of this era, we can say in hindsight, but mm-hmm. after yeah. the Champions League final loss and Carlos Tevez and Ronaldo move out, what is all the focus for you on Wayne Rooney at that point as being the person to take up the mantle and carry on a team? 
Or do you think that they're going to bring in other players to replace him at that point? Not Gabriel Overton, somebody who can actually replace Cristiano Ronaldo's production. Yeah, I think that was, um, if there was a someone that, that really highlights, um, glazonomics and the role perhaps that, that's Alex Ferguson played, um, you know, in, in settling for cut price alternatives to what United, the type of players that, that United should have been attracting. It is absolutely the summer of 2009. Um, because now you look at, you know, 80 million pounds, one payment up front or whatever it was, was seen as, it looked at as a remarkable deal. But in the 10 years since, and you look at, at the player um, that we sold, who he would go on to become and the kind of production he would go on to have. We got us. Yeah, rough. Um, but, you know, these things happened. He wanted to go. Um, uh, you could even make the case it was made with the hassle of the extra year. Uh, because he was an absolute headache that year. Uh, if, again, for me personally, and, and also for a lot of fans, if, if Wayne Rooney's um, non-transfer saga is what was a definitive turning point in, in how he's remembered, um, I, a lot of us never got over in 2008, directly after the the biggest season in a decade for the club, Ronaldo making it about him. Um, as a you know, things that we found out about him as a person since then, obviously, yeah. um, make him unlikable to say the least. But as a player, um, you know, before before the the criminal reports emerged about him, as a player, um, everything changed for. For my relationship with him as a player, as a player then. Um, so by the time 2009 was around, I was just ready to get it over with, you know, because yeah. um, he owned about it off and on all year. Yes, he did get his head down, played well, scored um, 20 something goals that season, which means quaint by his standards since then. Um, won a league title, um, a league cup, but uh, you know, the fact that, that um, you know, he made it about his transfer and, and um, kind of took away some of the, the shine and um, always left it a sour, sour taste in my mouth. So 2009 when he left, you know, I was already resigned to it. I don't think there was much um, disappointment. Um, the disappointment was in the lack of replacement because no matter how... And there definitely was a feeling amongst fans that, okay, here is a brilliant player, but this relationship has run its course. Um, that doesn't mean we weren't expecting at least some kind of replacement. You know, this is uh, this is the time when we were linked with with Ribéry and and Ian Robin, um, who may have been sure things, but obviously they went on to achieve success with Bayern Munich. Um, you know, in the years following. Um, following that summer, 
And so instead they end up with Obertan and Antonio Valencia and Michael Owen on a free was oh slap in the face. Um and I, and maybe this is just hindsight. Um but I don't remember feeling at the time, well, okay, this is going to be Wayne Rooney's yet to make a huge step up because Wayne Rooney hadn't been, yes, he had been somewhat in Ronaldo's shadow the previous two years. Um, but he was still a, a elite player. Um, so I may have expected him to increase his productivity in terms of his goal scoring, which he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would have been unfair, to, you know, to expect him to, okay, Ronaldo's going to be Ronaldo and also be Wayne Rooney. Uh, because he was also, you know, critical to the success of the team the previous three years. So the real feeling that summer to me is not, you know, Wayne Rooney didn't make some huge step forward as a player because, you know, he did, would he double his goal scoring from one season to, to the next, I think. Um, you know, it was really in, in Sir Alex and the management of the club to not adequately, um, replace this focal point of the team. Yeah. I, I, I was 13 at the time, I think. So, uh, to me, I, I kind of bought into the narrative that Ronaldo was set on saying. I kind of ignored the Real Madrid talk. I was like, oh, he saved this summer, so he's going to stay for good. And then when he did leave, I did the very 13-year-old yeah. thing, and I went around my room, and I cut his face out of all my Manchester United <laughs> stuff. I, yeah. I had the Eurosport magazine cover from when they won the Champions League uh, pinned to my wall, and as soon as he left, I, t- I went and I tore his part of the picture out. I, I, I was really mad. But I, I mean, that was my that was my disbelief when... Beckham left, and now I look back, and you know the writing had been on the wall for yeah. months. But you know, I had my head, my head firmly buried in the sand. Yeah. So, Beside myself. <laughs> I I think maybe that's kind of what affected a couple of years later when the transfer rumors about Wayne Rooney were coming out. Is I, I just didn't want to believe that that was a possibility that he would actually do something like that. And then when he did stay and sign the contract extension, that part of my thinking was confirmed in my head that it was never real to begin with. So, yeah, it, it, that's a very interesting side of football is the deciding where players will play and how that affects what 13 year old kids think about. It. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so moving on to the final questions, uh, Wayne Rooney obviously is my footballing hero. Uh, so Brent, who's your footballing hero and why? Hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if I have just one. Um, if I had to choose one, it would probably be Eric Cantona. Uh, he was, um, one of the first players that, at United anyway, that just was larger than life to me, you know, it still is. Um, you know, he was not, the best player I've ever seen, not even the best United player I've ever seen. Um, but he was one of the most important players in the history of the club. Um, and also he was the most creative and best and 
um, most fun player at a time when I was, you know, just young enough to be getting into football and, and learning about Manchester United. And, you know, just like with you and, and Wayne Rooney, you can't replace those memories uh, with anything else. So to me, Eric Cantona is still larger than life. Um, Paul Scholes to an extent as well. Ruud van Nistelrooy um, to an extent as well, outside of, of United. Um, Ronaldo. Um, Brazilian. Brazilian Ronaldo. Um, Do you hate living in an era where when you say Ronaldo, you have to add Brazilian Ronaldo? <laughs> you know, I it, it's kind of amazing now that you no longer have to do that. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that you no longer do that. But I remember a time when you had to do that about Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, yeah. And now nobody needs to qualify. If they're referring to Cristiano, nobody qualifies. Oh, if they say Ronaldo, it's like, oh, I mean Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he's now the default Ronaldo. And it's a little annoying to me because of how I see Ronaldo. Who's not, you know? Um, but I mean, there's no question, you know, that Ronaldo has eclipsed his names. Cristiano Ronaldo has probably eclipsed his namesake in terms of, of impact. Yeah. But Brazilian Ronaldo was just, there's probably no, you know, his nickname being the phenomenon is probably the most apt nickname in all of sports because he was the phenom. I mean, this was a, when Brazil, I wasn't even a Brazil supporter. And I, when Brazil lost the World Cup in, World Cup final in 1998, I was so enamored with Ronaldo that I was, again, bitterly disappointed. Um, and you know, this is, by then he was already past his best, which is, crazy to consider. Um, but Ronaldo of 19, 20, 21 years old, playing at Barcelona, playing at Inter was, I mean, unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I would say Ronaldo, Cantona, and then to a lesser extent, um, schools and Manusteroy. I, I think Ronaldo Nazario is, like for me, this kind of a player I kind of compared Rooney to. And I, yeah. uh, it was because of, I mean, I've only ever really experienced Ronaldo in his later years at Real Madrid and later AC Milan when he was definitely not the player he used to be, but uh, yeah. YouTube was most of my exposure to him. So I kind of saw them as similar talents of just like physical presence up top, you know, brutal player who would do, you know, what he needed to do. Yeah, but I mean, I Ronaldo, Ronaldo was, was many times the finisher that yeah, uh, yeah. Rooney was. Um, but I would I will say this though in terms of it's hard to appreciate how young um, because now we look at yes there are still young players that we judge by similar standards you know depending on when they break through mm-hmm. you know in an era now when we consider you know Jesse Lingard to be a young player or you know when we say that even Anthony Martial is still we're still waiting for him to take that next step up. You know, by the time Ronaldo was Antonio Martial's age, he had done the best. Like he had already had the best highlights of his career. Major. You know, he was already the best player he was ever going to be. I mean, he was unstoppable. And even Wayne Rooney, you know, we, if I think about peak Wayne Rooney or my favorite Wayne Rooney, this is his early 20s that we're talking about. And, um, yeah, I don't think it's totally unfair. You know, Ronaldo was... was a more talented player because we're not just talking about 
very good with open world potential to be the best ever, mm-hmm. uh, which is how I, uh, you know, a lot of people still think about Ronaldo. If not for injuries, this could have been the greatest player of all time. Um, and he was, he was unstoppable. And he was a kid. He was 20 years old and absolutely un, unplayable player. I think it's, it's also cool the, I guess, comparison between Brazil and England and how they put the pressure on their golden boys, you know, coming up. Like, I guess kind of Neymar now has the pressure of every time Brazil go to the World Cup, they have to win. That's kind of what Ronaldo was like, except he fulfilled that. Uh, yeah. Twice. <laughs> yeah. And, and Wayne Rooney, who didn't, but we don't need to talk about that. We're talking about his Manchester United. <laughs> um, so, next one. Uh, speaking of Wayne Rooney's Manchester United career, uh, what do you think Wayne Rooney's Manchester United legacy will be, like, in comparison with the top Manchester United greats? What, where do you think he fits in? I think he will eventually be remembered as an all-time great player. I think he will maybe not the top handful of players, but um, you know, in, in a you know, so not, maybe not quite the holy trinity type level. Um, I don't think there will be a Wayne Rooney statue outside of Old Trafford. Um, I think a lot of fans would have a problem if they had a Holy Trinity statue of him with Carlos Tevez. <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah, there's not, yeah, I don't, I don't think there'll be a Carlos Tevez, Wayne Rooney, um, Cristiano Ronaldo statue for <laughs> any, any number of reasons. Uh, now that I say that, it's kind of funny that, uh, Dennis Law is in that statue and he actually scored a goal for Manchester City that relegated Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think there'll be any Wayne Rooney uh, statues, but I think with time, um, he will remember as, a, as an all-time, all-time great player. Um, unfortunately, you know, recency bias is, is a real thing. And we got to see Rooney's rise. Um, we got to see Rooney's peak, and we got to see Rooney's extended decline. And I think having to to see that extended decline, the frustration um, with feeling like he was holding the team back at times, you know, him wanting to play in midfield but not being good enough to play in midfield, um, him not being able to evolve his game, you know, kind of seeing his physical decline as well, um, while still being indulged by managers up until Mourinho because maybe one of Mourinho's underrated contributions is being able to effectively phase out Wayne Rooney um, because you could probably say that when that Salix did all the hard work of <laughs> kind of alienating fans somewhat from Wayne Rooney and also replacing him um, because famously, when Rooney had this, this fallen out, um, and, you know, hinted that he would, you know, he would want to move if the club didn't sign, uh, better players. And he wasn't wrong. The club should have been signing better players. But then Ferguson went out and bought good players in his position. <laughs> um, 
you know, between doing that and also, you know, things that he said in the media about really um, wanting to leave, so Alex set it all up for David Moyes or whoever the next manager was to move on from Rain Rooney. And maybe he would remember more fondly if we got to see less of his decline. Instead, he got a new five-year contract. His game continued to deteriorate, you know, question about his, his fitness and um, professionalism kept coming up. So I think having to sort of see that drawn out um, has affected how United fans think of Wayne Rooney now because there was almost this relief when he left for Everton because um, he was no longer as, as much I don't want to say as much use, but he was no longer anywhere near as productive as a, as a footballer, um, even if he was important as a dressing room figure at that time. Um, and I think getting some distance from those years and maybe just being able to reflect on just how good he was for how long also, because he was really good for many years, six, maybe two thirds of his career, you know, he went from being this raw, um, you know, really just hard racing talent to being a more, uh, uh, more refined, possibly less exciting, but more productive and more refined player, you know, in this second third of his United career. Um, if we could, once we get distance from that last third and we can focus more on the first two thirds, I think he'll be remembered, remembered more, more fondly.